0: Welcome to Seek Justice, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the nuances of criminal justice. Good morning, Dennis. Oh, good morning, Eric. How are you? Very good. Very good. So, last time you talked, last time we discussed the costs of the criminal justice system. And you mentioned in passing a report from South Carolina that discussed the economic impact of uh, the people that don't return to prison or that uh that we can the economic impact of keeping people out of prison and i imagine that is a positive thing for society that they the people that aren't in prison are going to probably be able to be working and generating mm, taxes and things like that for the yeah, for the yeah. society. Uh talk to me a little bit more about how how it how the people that we can keep out of prison are good or bad for society. Yeah. In general.
1: Well, it's um it's the interesting other side of the coin i mean most most of our discussion most people's discussion are about the costs of incarceration and then cost avoidance when we don't do it or cost savings when we don't do it because we look at the cost of locking somebody up depending on their custody level it may be anywhere from 25 to 45 dollars a day multiply that by 365 etc etc and at the same time you know if you've got a hundred fewer offenders then you're going to presumably save some money. But the fact is, as we've mentioned, is that unless the budget of the Department of Correction goes down, there isn't any real cost savings. It's just that they're not spending that same amount of money on those people. Right. They
0: spend it on a different place.
1: All right. And so what we know is, and this has been mentioned many times over the various podcasts, is that if you want to have an impact, you've got to have a statewide impact a program here and a program there while positive and helps people, et cetera, isn't really gonna have much of a blip on the overall recidivism rate. And that's another way to say it isn't gonna have a, a blip on the actual cost. So in order to avoid a big costs, you basically gotta change staffing patterns because as I've mentioned, in any system, any uh, correction system, including prisons, probation, parole, et cetera, um, most of the costs are in personnel. Well, most of the costs are in prisons, and in the prisons, most of those costs are personnel. Upwards of in Michigan, for example, uh, 70, 80% of all of the $2 billion budget is spent on the prisons, and 85% of all that money is spent on personnel, and so the formula is pretty simple. You gotta cut personnel costs. The only way to do that, you can reduce staffing patterns, which usually can be done a little bit, but not a great idea, because then your ratio of prisoners to staff is, is, is too extraordinarily low. Right. Um, so you, you've got to consolidate or close prisons, and that's the Michigan story uh, writ large. So that's one side of the coin. and and so it's really hard to find places that have actually saved money and their budgets have been reduced. Michigan, even the, the place that has seen the largest single reduction of the prison population through reentry efforts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, other states have had some stronger impacts, but not simply through reentry. The budget of the Department of Correction didn't go down, it just was spent in other ways, probably more for capital outlay, which we've talked about as well, boilers, roofs, you know, crumbling walls, etc. And so now we talk about the other side of the coin. Well, if that's a tough way to be able to show that there's revenue savings, then what about the other side of the issue, which is so when people are diverted from prison or when people don't go back to prison, what is the gain? and you know in the subtext of a lot of the work i've done across the country we use uh, the name of the initiative usually some type of prisoner reentry initiative whether it's montana louisiana georgia or whatever with a subtext of you know better citizens safer neighborhoods uh more efficient systems. so that we examine that so it's really hard to Find studies that do this, and the the one that we mentioned that you posted on the notes from the last podcast, probably want to post it again for this one, is this report uh, written by Dr. David Hughes, uh, relatively recently, 2014, as far as justice research goes. it's Recent as different depending on what the topic is, but that's relatively recent, and he prepared this at the request of the South Carolina Department of Probation, Parole and Pardon Services, and as you know, that's a place I worked. And it was the uh, I can't remember how long we talked about it, but it was the place you may recall where the good news was they changed the nature of the prison system by reducing the number of nonviolent offenders that were in prison, but created the prison system, which was more dangerous comparatively. Right. And they eventually had a riot and they never took the so-called savings. All right. Mm -hmm. Back to point one here. They never took the savings and reinvested it. When the legislature calculated the savings, right, they used their option that they may increase the budgets of parole or prisons or whatever and didn't, Aye. and instead used the money in other places, which is what happens everywhere. <laughs> the only place in the country where these reforms generally uh, run through uh, – the Pew Center for the States or the Bureau of Justice Assistance, the only place that that I know of that made it a law that the savings must be reinvested is Louisiana,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which happens to be the most recent state that went through it. And it's sort of like, well, after twenty some states, they finally got that right, even though they've known they've been getting it wrong for years. Right, right. But but to their credit, at least in Louisiana, it's taking hold, and we'll see as uh, this year unfolds the degree to which that effort actually uh, produces the benefit that we expect it to. But back to South Carolina. So the study uh, is, is, is fascinating, it really is. Um, and they took a look at over a three-year period from 2011 to 2013, the number of people who, through methodology they described, were um, labeled as diverted from prison, that they, they really otherwise would have gone to prison. And, uh, how do you know when someone is
0: successfully diverted? How,
1: how, well, how long, how much time has to pass of not going back to prison before you count them in the diverted column? Well, you can put them in the diverted column immediately, depending on what I'm about to describe, ah. whether they stay out of prison is, is a whole nother issue. But okay. when you're doing cost savings, right. If they're initially diverted, study, well, yeah, what, what is, what is the, what is the, what is the benefit to the state over the three years? not necessarily taking into account what happens to people when they fail and go back and whether or not their return to prison ended up with them doing more time than they would have done if they went the first time. (laughs) So every analysis like this leaves some unanswered questions and there's about a a bunch of what ifs. And this study doesn't go into that. But once again, as you recall, doing fiscal analysis with prisoners is like, trying to wrap jello with chicken wire, right? It, it, it squirts out somewhere no matter what, and it's very complicated to get to the stuff, but the, these are good questions. It okay. we would we, we, be valuable to, to, to talk to David Hughes, Dr. Hughes, talking about this stuff. I'm sure he's thought about it uh, since then. But t- to the point here, over this three years, there are about 1,600, it indicates 1,611 supervised offenders were not admitted to the uh, department. If I were to dig deep in that data, I would probably give you be able to give you a, a likelihood or a percentage of what percentage of that 1611 really would have gone to prison. Because unless they go to prison and you take them out, it's really hard to predict that they would have gone. But there's ways to do that. But let's take this at face value and mm-hmm. for whatever set of reasons they're saying 1611 people, and they're looking at those people and they say, well, let's take a look first at how many of those actually participated in the economy. And not surprisingly, uh, they found 52% were employed, for the most part, over the three-year period. So they limited their impact to that 52%. Now, there's a bunch of questions that come up about that. Yep. You know, uh, what costs were the other 48% and what happened with them and were some of them part-time or whatever, but when you're doing a study You got to set the parameters and there's certain assumptions you use. There's only so deep you can go It's only so deep you can go. That's right With the amount of money you have and the research capability you have, but so they started digging into things They're they're making money the money. They make they spend Um, And then uh, the ancillary impacts of things like well, so they stayed out of the court system they ended up paying more child support. Um, fewer of them went back to prison than what would be predictable. That's related to court costs and further incarceration. Then you've got uh, other benefits, right, to the economy. But you've also got, well, so that they're drawing stuff out. So maybe on food stamps, and maybe on welfare, they may be Medicaid, and so they did take into account some of those those other things. Okay. But remember, we're dealing with. About 1,600 people over three years, only about half of which were included in the study because they were employed. We're only talking about 800 people. Right. Okay? So here's the number. I'll jump to the conclusion, then work backwards from it. Okay. They estimate in the conclusion that they contributed $50 million to the economy. 800 people? $50 million to the economy. Again, 800 people? <laughs> 800 people employed $50 million. Now, if— it- if what now, if we were to take uh, eight hundred people who were not formally incarcerated and who had a better uh, economic standing, sure, you know, where these folks, um, and, and this is all, all in the study, they they looked at what percentage of the people were in um, like uh, uh, fifteen to twenty five thousand income, right? right? Uh, compared to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 upwards, right? 100,000, et cetera, and 0.2% were in the 100 to 150,000. So there were a couple that did very, very well. Whoa, okay? yeah. And in, in, you're gonna see those outliers in any, in, sure. in any population, but the majority were in that lower economic range, 15 to 25,000. Now, if we were to do a comparative analysis, which is not too difficult to do, what, what, what would the, what's the benefit of 800 people like us? If you took a, if, if you took
0: the just the top outliers, say you took eight hundred people that make one hundred and fifty thousand a year over three years, even then fifty million seems high. To oh me. well,
1: it's not it's not uh, because of the income level that this number is high. It's uh, because of the the geometric geometric progression. That you make money, you pay taxes, you spend money. When you spend money, the economy grows. When the economy grows, it grows jobs. When you grow other jobs, the economy benefits. It's the domino effect, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's not the trickle down effect that you know Reagan uh, talked about. It's it's sort of the trickle up or the The bubble uh, up. The
1: bubble up, yeah. The bubble up, and and the other the other uh, uh, right, because you're the, taking
0: credit. so if if someone makes twenty five thousand a year and they spend it buying their groceries, and then we're gonna and we're gonna follow that money to the grocery clerk that earns their salary, and then they spend it on something else and they spend it on childcare, and the childcare person spends it on something else. Yeah. we're We're following all that money and adding it up every single time
1: so it passes through someone's right. hands. It's yes, it's the same economic model that you uh, hear of every month. When the federal government releases the figures on how the economy is doing, and how the employment rate is doing, but, and, but we're counting we're counting the money every time it changes
0: hands. We're, we're counting we're, the growth.
1: We're summing the growth. We're counting the growth, and so it's a cumulative effect of growth. It doesn't double count. Okay, that's what you're asking. It's the cumulative. Now, anyone beyond my ken to be able to analyze the methodology, and, and you know, it's often that wow. when a study is done, other researchers examine the study and talk about strength and weaknesses and yeah. we have already mentioned a couple where what about the other 48 percent wouldn't that be a detractor and how many of the uh, uh ones that were in the three-year study ended up going back in year four and five etc i mean there's all sorts of complicating effects but but so so here's with that in mind well that- is
0: the is the conclusion being drawn that if we can if it costs us 48 million to keep these 800 pe- people out of prison where it's a net benefit for the economy
1: well it does it cost 48 million I, I know keep... I know
0: I know but but is are we counting yes, the, that, are we, we're counting that 50 million in the yeah, wind so so let's
1: say let's say that that we did a quick uh, calculation I'm not sure we'll do this right this minute but looking at the cost of uh, 1800 or 1600 people in prison for three years multiply that out it's not anywhere near 50 million dollars for sure the cost benefit is obvious uh, when you look at that and, and you know so so back to this what are we looking at here these are are these jobs that they're taking from other people the study concludes no these are jobs that are adding to the economy they're not replacement jobs and there are a lot of jobs that a lot of people don't do and won't do landscapers cooks uh, cashiers food service workers maintenance workers cleaners right things of that nature the types of jobs that make 15 to 25 thousand dollars not real sure. high income jobs um, and a lot of fast food jobs, et cetera, uh, basic processing. Columbia Farms, poultry processor. That's big in South Carolina, right? All of those things. Um, and then you dig into so you've got the, what what they call the multiplier effects, right? So uh, personal income adds to gross state product, output generated in other parts of the economy due to spending. All of these things are taken effect. This is economic. Uh, analyses right right which are pretty standard and we do it all the time we just haven't applied it to this particular population so you know just to give you an example here the study says just looking at impact in 2011 you had uh 52 of those 52 of these releases about 299 were employed that led to 54 additional jobs um, over the course of the period but that in turn grew more jobs in the economy over time, because when you when the company add, does, when the employer does well, they can afford to hire more people. The multiplier effect. Yes. Yeah, so right. you hire another 50 people. They generate more products and services. That generates more money. And more that jobs. generates more jobs. So over the course of time, 54 jobs leads to 350 jobs. Gotcha. And these are the long, longer term impacts, and this is the economic analysis, which for the most part has been totally missing from this debate. Yes. Yeah. People talk about it in general terms, but here we have a study that gets into it specifically. That's great. So total impacts of personal income from this relatively few people, 299 employed diverted offenders. Four and a half million dollars, uh, while adding to the gross state product of six million dollars, and a total estimated impact to the state of eight point six million. This yeah. is this is why every politician promises jobs in growing the economy, right? Yep. That's the, the, the generation of revenue. Then they break this down. The next year there were five hundred and seventy-six employed, so those numbers pretty much doubled. The next year, there are 833. So now you're looking at, um, like in in 2013, where there's 833 instead of 299 diverted people, you've got 149 additional jobs. And then with the multiplier effect, almost 1,000 additional jobs. And an estimated uh, impact from personal income of 13 million, while the gross impact, the gross state product, increases by 18 million for a total impact of 25 million. So when you take all three years and you put them all together is how you get to this.
0: to 50, right.
1: And, and plus there's other, uh, some of it, and then there's this other saving. So here's 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 one thing that, that, that you will be very uh, uh, interested in. Yes. It's on social services. Based on a 2011 report conducted by the Government Accountability Office on data taken, uh, produced by the Children's Defense Fund for South Carolina, we estimated that 25 children are not in foster care. And three children were not adopted out of foster care because of these people being diverted. So you've got 61681 people diverted from prison and generally and and your
0: and your and that has changed the lives of those 25 kids
1: enormously. And 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 you know, mentioned, but then forget about the cost of right. that. Oh, yeah, right, right. Right? Where, where you've got 25 children not in foster care. They're, they they don't provide any uh, uh, data here on fiscal impact, so I suspect they didn't include it. I can dig in a little deeper and see if that's true, but this particular paragraph doesn't mention that. But you and I can talk about this. We know that children who are in foster care, who age out, have an incredibly high rate of moving into the prison system. Right. And they and there's this you know uh, school to pipeline yes. school the prison pipeline that gets talked about and this is an example of that so those costs apparently aren't incorporated let alone the social impact on these kids but imagine that three children not adopted out of foster care uh, just consider these, this nobody talks about this no, no, nobody puts numbers to it people do talk about it they right. don't put a lot of numbers to it so so consider this. Because you're, if you're in prison, and you're making a penny a day or a penny an hour, or whatever sure. slave wage they pay of course, slaves didn't get any wage, but right. um, then you're able to pay child support. Okay, mm-hmm. so the um, they look at the data and they say that the, two, the, the the best estimate that this diversions led to an average increase in child support payments of. $326 in 2011, $332 in fiscal t- 2012, and $337 in FY213, based on other data, 25% of incarcerated prisoners have open child support cases. Sure. Um, accordingly, we estimate the total impact on initiatives on child support payments is $47,000 in 2011, $92,000 in 2012, and one hundred thirty-five thousand in two thousand thirteen, so you start to add them up, and you've got three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's three hundred fifty thousand dollars that's going to the presumably the mothers. Yep. Who then? And, and the data stops here. Right. But what do they do with that money?
0: They're spending it in a culture of creating jobs it, and growing and et, yep. cetera,
1: et cetera. And so while the study may be, and I, I don't necessarily say that it's weak. It simply didn't include, as we've discussed, some of the other negatives. Because it, didn't it have, also didn't
0: count because it didn't have infinite funding but yeah so what i'm the picture i'm getting here is that not to misuse that butterfly effect thing but any little nudge you push you you can you can put on the scale here vastly spirals either into if you if you start incarcerating more people it it spirals into into bad outcomes for more and more and more people and in, and if you incarcerate fewer people it spirals into good outcomes for more and more and more right, people right so
1: in your 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 analogy of uh, a butterfly flaps its wings in china it yeah, rains yeah, yeah. in, in Kalamazoo, whatever right but but that's that's exactly right and wouldn't it be fascinating to put the two economic analyses side by side right, right? and see and, see
0: how putting putting an extra $1000 towards towards helping one person how that turns into millions of 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 costs or or uh, or or savings or you know uh, or benefits in the long run right term.
1: And, and and so a couple more things on the positive side is that, you know, you've got people who are diverted from prison, don't go to prison in the first place, have a lower recidivism rate than those that do. Sure. And they do data analysis here that, that shows, look, our analysis shows that this led to about an 18% reduction in court cases for repeated criminal activity. And according to the cost we see per court cost of about $1,188 per case, there's an, an, another estimate of $233,000 Savings and court costs. Well, that's a little, a little suspect from the angle that, well, I don't know that it's cost savings. The court budget didn't go down, but more to the point here, they didn't spend two hundred thirty-three thousand four hundred fifty-four dollars on these people. Right. So they didn't suck up that money. Right. But you know, you've, you've got to take that into account. You know, I've railed against the lack of distinction we often see between cost avoidance and cost savings. This is a bit
0: a bit of that. Still, but it, no one's arguing that it's a bad thing, that, that it wasn't spent on these, on these people to keep them in, in the system.
1: Right. So you've got uh, uh, costs of uh, supervision. So instead of being in prison at 45 a day, they're on supervision at $10 a day or whatever the, sure. the analysis here is. And then they talk about realistically, so what about food stamps and welfare and Medicaid, et, et cetera, and you deduct that. So you're looking at uh, figures for that uh, first group in 2011, 299. Generally, 167,000 in food stamps, 7,000 in welfare, 364,000 in Medicaid. Deduct from the savings 537,000, get a net gain, a taxpayer benefit of 4.5 million, and then add child support to that. Right. Not the economic impact of child support, which would be another figure. Right right And not the economic impact, what else did we do with the savings and you end up with an overall benefit in, in the first year of 4.5 million then 3.4 million then 5.8 million. That's just on straight up benefit versus uh, deductions before they get into you know other analyses of the multiplier effect.
0: Well and, and so and it seems like the, the economic impact of, of the child support, uh, sure, the the single mother is is spending in the economy and creating jobs and stuff, but the long term economic impact of, you know, of of that well fed child, uh, going on to be a productive member of society has got to just be enormous. Right? Well,
1: and, and exactly, and 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 then compare that to what we're doing instead, which is actual spending. So let's say that we said to Hughes, you know, let's, you know, somehow someone's interested in spending money on this. And let's take a look at a a sister study, or a a side study, Mm -hmm. of what would it have cost for the 1,600 uh, and 11 people to have gone through the system, and let's look at a comparison of the 50 million positive impact against the whatever double-digit million, and then you end up with a more accurate figure. Right. The the actual difference is right. closer to 100. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And and so it 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 really um it, it, there's another there's another topic that, that we've mentioned offline if, to save until till next time or a future podcast. I mention it now is that this repeated attempt at the national level and and at the state level to for people to study this issue, right? And, and, you know, and, and describe the problem and, and talk about the negative impact of it. Very little specifics about the positive impact, and you know, let alone a, a more of, a, of a, a qualitative analysis rather than this quantitative analysis to say, well, let's take a look at those 1,611 people, let's say the half that were employed, and what did those people do with their lives? What difference did they make in their community? Did any of those people save someone from a burning house? Right. To, Follow
0: up did five it, or ten years later.
1: Right. What What did they do? And, and what about the children who didn't go into child care? Or didn't go into foster care? What 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 are the stories behind that? What What's the impact? Did any of them become a politician and change laws which had impact? And and how many of them were, were artists and, and what did they do and how many of them were, were, were writers and what did they write and right and, and let you know r- really dig into this um, well
0: and and that's the way to that's the way to change the public opinion is you got to tell stories you can you can throw these figures at you know no one's going to come on the nightly news and say well uh, 48 million dollars uh, were saved by this program and that doesn't mean anything you got to tell well, us, you got to yeah. tell the stories about how uh, because of this policy this child uh, didn't go into foster care and turned around to be in the Big brothers program and uh, and help all these other kids and become the basketball coach and uh, it's those kinds of stories that's that yeah. will, that, yeah. that connect to humans to
1: yeah and, and, and frankly most stories lessen less in the uh, uh, television medium uh, but they they will Mention those stats in the intro, right? But then they'll go immediately to the story, and you won't remember the, the, the statistics. Right. But you got to have. I mean, when we were, yeah, know, sure. the Back and forth we did with uh, the the woman from the Washington Post that I haven't. Uh, I don't know that her article was uh, printed yet. But those are the kind of things that she said too. Got to have the data. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I suggested that she she take a look at a couple of cases. But but in, but t- to my point here that we continue there there continues to be this interest. In studying the problem, I I was involved as a a researcher to help prepare a colleague of mine in uh, uh, in Louisiana um, to participate in an ACLU panel uh, to look at the ACLU's Smart on Crime initiative, which is similar to the kind of things that we talk about, the kind of things that I do in my consulting business. and And um, went to the panel; five or six people, all white, uh, all conservatives um, a diverse crowd, however, but only 25 people attended. And a report came back to me from one of the participants that said almost the entire dialogue in the limited time they have was painting the dire picture of the magnitude of the problem and why we have to do stuff different. And that's what happens again and again and again. Yet another group, yet another study, yet another committee. Let's examine this. We've looked at all the
0: data and we've concluded that everything is bad.
1: This is a real problem. It costs us so much. This is not sustainable. I want to uh, dig into a, a future podcast, maybe uh, our next one, about another group that uh, was recently announced nationally as a, a, a dialogue leading to policy group of 24 national experts, including you. I'm certain I'll dig in and, and report, yes. but, but maybe an economist, but certainly probation, parole, prison formerly incarcerated persons, which are remarkably adept at explaining, uh, in real life terms, this personal impact that we just talked about, but also to bringing life to the data. Right. So it's smart to bring those people in, but so they've raised some money, I don't know from where. I'll see if I can figure that out. And they're going to spend a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And they're holding this big press conference in Washington, D.C. In, in June. And they're going to launch this dialogue. And then they're going to release a report. And the report is going to list a bunch of recommendations. And I, and somebody said, your thoughts, right? So I wrote this thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, been there, done that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we already know. right? And and we already have the the most... Fantastic review of what needs to be done to correct the problem. Study after study after study, but the report of the National uh, uh, Prisoner Reentry Policy Council that was put into place—they had 150 people look at this over five years. They produced an uh, encyclopedia, 680 pages of some of the best research you've ever seen. And now all I want to say is I want to shout it from the from from the rooftops. Right. Just. Do it right. It's like, Just we and, and this group is saying, you know what? We, we're going to examine the degree to which uh, systems are not working with each other, and ways to improve the collaboration between the justice system and the social service systems. And it's like you're going to study it. Right. We already uh, it's already been studied to death, and there's a volumes of information written precisely on what to do about it. Right. My consulting b- business is built on going in and working with people. We, we don't even talk about the problem. We already have that. You've read it. You have it. What are we going to do? Who's going to do what, when to fix this? What people are looking for is quick fixes. Well, we need a national study. And then what? The president of the United States is going to issue an edict. Right. The Congress is going to issue a resolution for the states that they should do a better job. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that again. Yeah. You know,
0: it's it's like we're down here. It's like we've fallen into a well. And before we, before we try and get out, we need to know exactly how many feet and inches we
1: are deep in this well. Well, okay. and I want to know, well, how bad is it to be down in a well? Right. Exactly. And how long, is it how really long, that bad? How long does it stay bad? <laughs> and what do you mean it's bad? And what's the, what's the impact on your clothing and your shoes? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> good Lord, man, you're in a well, it, it, figure out how to get out of it. And so, you know, we're, it, it, you know, we've we've done how many of these 12? This is number 13. Yep. Uh, 13 podcasts. And we it's time to bring some other people in, I think, and, and, and start getting their reading of this. Uh, but how can we promote and how do we promote particularly with others? Um, just a, con- a continued examination of some real live fiscal impact so that what we're saying is real simple. Here's a question do you want to spend this much money with this kind of impact, proven again and again, right. or do you want to save this much money with this proven impact? That's the choice. We talked about the, uh, the Koch brothers, mm-hmm. and we talked about uh, the, uh, w- what is their motivation, and their motivation as business people, corporate, I'm sure, as I've said, is that they, wanted, they want to uh, use the revenue that's generated in the tax base to grow the economy,
0: right. If, so the, if the economy grows, they they, every, they do. Everyone does better.
1: Everyone does better, and and and, and a, a stronger economy that's not spending all this money down on uh, welfare, uh, which we see as being can be reduced right. from this. Right, um, that further grows the economy, and and. The water uh, rises in the sea, and all the boats rise with it. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in a little boat or a big boat, and the fact that they're in a very big boat right. means that you know more value to them. Well, that, I think Fun. that's probably fine. I'd, I'll, I'll dig in a little bit more with, with the coke brothers. We can bring somebody on here, perhaps who's associated with that that initiative. But but this is this is part of their potential economic argument that that I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't dug in as deep as I can, but are they aware of the South Carolina study, and would they be interested in doing more of these types of studies to determine, uh, to the degree that Hughes did, but also perhaps even further than that, uh, stronger economic models that get into some of the the, the weaknesses that we've mentioned here? Because it seems to me that if we really want to change the course of action here, that it's got to be done by the people who don't, buy it who don't want to hear it. Right. If you and I are talking and we've got some, you know, fifty listeners here that are nodding their head <laughs> because they're they've drank the same Kool-Aid we have, well, that's all great that we're singing Kumbaya. Right. But we need to bring people to the to the fire. Yep. You know, to warm their hands. And who are those people and who's in control? And and, and, and I like the idea of of course the Koch brothers bring in a whole conservative base and we've got to take a look at the people that are not left of center. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps not even centrist, but those people who are more conservative right of center. Now it used to be uh, before the Trump era that we could talk a little bit more black and white between the left and the right. right. And when we talked about conservatives and we thought about the Republican party, we thought about conservatives. Well, we can't do that anymore. Trump, Trump is in complete control of the Republican party. They're not conservatives anymore. Right. They're right wing. And I don't know what's going to happen with the conservative movement. It, it's got a little part of the Republican Party. They may end up with their own party yeah. before it's over with. Uh, or if Trump loses, he may, you know, run off with his 35 percent of the voting public and create his own party. That'd be <laughs> a good moneymaker for him. And, right. you know, the Trump, I imagine, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just a wild guess, but it might be called the Trump Party. Uh-huh. I don't know yeah, that he yeah. used his own name. I don't know. He's he's so humble. But all these all these uh, uh, discussions of who do we need To win over. Now, I don't know, uh, like, you know, the first step act that uh, Jared Kushner uh, uh, heralded, and it's coming out now, of course, that he's the ghost um uh behind the campaign you know amongst his other 15 things on his resume criminal justice reform is one of those and yep. my hat off to him for producing this results and the first report came out and said that the largest impact of that was african americans uh who were released sooner etc mm-hmm. and it's being touted now and will be you'll hear this again and again and again in the campaign Just trying to get you those know, votes yeah uh, uh, you know nobody's helped. you know more african americans than me mm-hmm. nobody ever right. well now now there's some there's some <laughs> some some truth to that not is not he helped more than any, but you yeah. know, there's, there's a number there that can be looked at. So, our audience has changed for these sure. arguments, but nonetheless, the audience notwithstanding, I mean, once you have a, a, a product like a, a study like this, you figure out, you know, where you can shop it and how you how you market it.
0: Yeah, I I find these these numbers and these findings pretty astounding, and what what I want most right now is for this to be replicated in other states, for for other people to look at this and to do the examination and. Like, if we had 10 of these studies in different states that all showed the same, more or less, pattern, uh, that seems like it would be
1: way more powerful than just a one. But, you know, that takes funding. Well, sure, it would be. In in fact, uh, once you've got the methodology, if you've got access to the data, then the same group of researchers can repeat it and come up with a a composite and compare state to state. Well, one
0: would hope it would be different researchers, too, just in case, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, true. true Science true. is better true. that way. Yeah. Well, and you also uh, can have a researcher or researchers examine the methodology and the strength and the weaknesses of the study and do a do a peer review. Uh, but you know, uh, talking to Hughes, I mean, I was in South Carolina and and I talked about this report. I got it uh, from the folks in the uh, Department of um, Probation, Parole, and, and pardon Part and Services, and uh, uh, and. Th- it, it didn't seem to me that the study was all that useful to them. I, I didn't see any press about it. Uh, it wasn't talked about. If it, if, if it were me on the side of activism and advocacy in South Carolina, this would be point one. Right. Again and again, it would be the subject of a media campaign. And I'm not sure. I mean, it just seems like a study that, that, that was put up on the shelf. We, I testified to the legislature there and, and distributed the report and talked about it. As uh, uh, as a, um, a a way uh, to encourage them to do two things: one, to actually reinvest the savings, which right. they never have. Their 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 reform legislation passed first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. They did not reinvest the money, or or if they reinvested, it nowhere near the. The total savings, and then they may be doing a better job now that there was a riot in the in, in the prison system.
0: This seems but, like such such low hanging fruit for for, uh, for for a legislator to to take and and push forward, and then and then say and then claim, "Hey, look at all these millions of dollars that I with my with my policy yeah. saved saved South Carolina." Well,
1: well and, and to your point, the, in in South Carolina, one of the most successful and prominent activists advocates as a senator. Uh, named Malloy, Senator Malloy, and I've known him for years and uh, worked with him. Um, he's urban-based, African-American, speaks with a great deal of authority, experience, et cetera. And he's in charge of the of one of the co-chairs of the committee that makes these decisions. And he's, he's, he's a wonderful man and, and, and warm and caring, and he took the temperature. And he concluded that there wasn't stomach for it because there was such negative press over the impact, the, the you know the multi-year impact of the reforms in the first place, where they didn't reinvest the money, where the prisons were more dangerous, etc. And it's like, well, what because if they, messed it, up the that is? Right. they messed it up messed the first right? They missed it the first time, and so it's so messed up that you don't want to fix it. And there's no stomach for it. And a legislator and a smart legislator is not going to just go into committee blind and ask for a vote and then be defeated. Right. You never the rule of politics. Don't ever ask for a vote unless you know you've got an outcome that you like. And if it's not the support, which of course you, you like better, right. uh, how are you going to spin the the uh, loss, the loss, and and be a, immediately ready for a press conference to to blast them or announce your candidacy to run against <laughs> them or whatever? I mean, you got to be ready. It isn't. It, it, yeah, you, you don't go blind. You, it's like a lawyer cross examination They're going to ask, ask a question they don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the training that, that goes along with it, but. But he wouldn't he, he couldn't do that. He couldn't find a way to do that. And I, I trust Senator Malloy. I'm not gonna second guess him. Right. And it's not the year for it, and maybe next year. And and we produce good testimony, we produce good reports, there, there's support for it. We met with the head of the Department of Corrections, we met with the head of the prisons, and they talked about these growing unrest of the of the of the, the correctional officers and the prisoners, and we predicted. We predicted and up rising before it happened and it happened and here's another point what good does it do to be right
0: exactly it's like the all the what? it's like the people that reported about uh, you know 911 bef- uh, bef- they were warning that something was up uh you know you can't that so what yeah it still happens so
1: what so what and and so you know it goes on and you know you you're constantly looking for as I'm sure these national groups do and I've participated in some of these think tanks you know and you, you go to conferences and you know they, they may pay you and and you know and so you're you're making some money and it, it's interesting and it may be exhilarating and you're talking to people and they nod their heads and then they go home and at the end of the day it's so what yeah. what has actually changed so now you're spending money and in this new panel, for example, there's 24 people. I don't know if they're paying them, but they're going to pay for their expenses. So they're all in Washington, and it's 24 people times three days times airfare and times this. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars, right. and they're going to do it over the course of, let's say, it's a year or three years. And they're going to produce—what's the cost? What's the budget, right? Well, what's the cost of this study? Yeah. What would be the cost to simply replicate the study? What about what about what what would it cost to, 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 to do— Part, part of what I've done, but do a better job of what I've done, is take this voluminous 680-page encyclopedia uh, published by the Policy Council Report and do another version of it that's more accessible, that's not so dense. Right. That would kind of get to the issue. Now, I've done this, and, and, and I've, I got it written down into action planning that's only about 90 pages, which is still overwhelming for, for most people that are in this. It's, oh, my God, it's a book. Right. Well, yeah, it's but it's not an encyclopedia anymore. Um, But how to what why not spend money on these types of studies and figuring out how to market that and put that in the hands of the people that are actually making decisions. This is for governors. This is I'm I'm never going to detract much from the national debate. It's important because national press is important. But at the end of the day, this is a national problem, but it's not a national solution. Right. It's a state-based solution, and even at that, it's not so much a state solution, it's a state-local solution, because the Department of Corrections, which are state-run and some of the social service agencies are state-run, but at the end of the day, the services are delivered locally. The jobs are local, the businessmen are local. This is an urban issue. Mm-hmm. And and so where where are the mayors? Where's the, where's the U.S. Conference of Mayors? So I've worked with mayors, I've helped mayors prepare for their speeches uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, a, a relatively a famous now infamous mayor of Detroit who continues to serve, I think, somewhere in around a 30-year sentence in violation of the RICO Act for uh, you know, his, uh, his dirty deeds and lying uh, in, in the courts. A remarkable, a remarkable orator uh, who, who who I helped prepare a speech for the mayor. They, they loved to hear this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was like, so what? Yep. A lot of talk. There's got to be, there's got, and, and, and maybe the, the, the Koch brothers, I wouldn't be surprised if the Koch brothers got something to do with this new group, you know. Right. Where are they putting their money, right? It was like, uh, I know the Koch brothers were funding um, this effort in uh, that I it was in Louisiana that dropped out in a couple of other states. I'd have to refresh my memory on this, but it was to do a reentry reform. Mm-hmm. And it was Newt Gingrich was, was part of it, and Van Jones was part of it. So you got the right and you got the left kind yep. of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and when you examined what they were doing, uh, it's the same stuff that uh, came out of the national policy report. And they were starting fresh with how to do it and what to do. And oh I, I, said, I said to the researcher, I said, why are you recreating the wheel? We already have a model. We've already been doing this in five states. Yeah, well, we're going to do it our way. How How frustrating. And 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 on the the positive side, they were doing something that others uh, hadn't done. It's very hard to fund uh, efforts to uh, work with uh, counselors, for lack of a better word, who know how to intrinsically motivate uh, prisoners and help prisoners think through their criminogenic tendencies and fight their criminogenic tendencies, help them with their cognitive uh, uh, challenges where they don't think ahead, they, they make quick judgments. As I mentioned, you know, the, you throw a pebble in the in the pond, and there's no ripples, right? Right, and and that's a, a skill. It's not a program that you go to. It's not like a therapist that you yeah. go to. It's 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 a skill that you have to build into the system. And they were going to fund that, and we'll see how how that does. Um, but more of a solution oriented approach, which which I gave it some some timid report uh, support. Uh, not that anybody cares that much, but Louisiana failed to produce the data, and they were pushed out of it, which, which, you know, again, so what if you're right, I suggested it would happen. And when it happened, people got mad at me because I predicted it, right, that, that they would drop out because they weren't moving quick enough. And they were trying to recreate the wheel, instead of taking advantage of the initiative that we already had in place. And all of these egos and all of these personalities and all of these people. And so you do these things, and you do a little bit here and a little bit there. And let's, let's applaud it, Sure, you know, any positive impact. But at the end of the day, it's like, so what? Here we are, you know it's 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 going to be twenty twenty for God's sake, and what an analogy that is right is our vision improved <laughs> you know looking ahead, and you know that's that's why I think a dialogue with some national leaders who've been uh you know so when they authors.
0: when they when these when these people spend all this waste all this money to repeat the same the same research, do they find the same conclusions yeah okay so so we're we're pretty confident about those conclusions right yeah, so yeah. They that they um it so well, yeah, we don't and, need to, meant, at, at, I, some I, point, I, at some point, at some point, you don't need to replicate stuff anymore. You right?
1: remember my rant on a, on uh human uh subject, right. Uh, experimental research, yep, where you keep services from someone in the control group and you do it, and you do a study, you show that it works, and the study examines you know what parts of it were important, and it always concludes you've got to be individual based. You want to reduce your so you got to do it one person at a time. Better access, or earlier access to what? Oh my God, this is a shock. Employment, right? Which is, as we've discussed, the number one thing. The number one thing, again and again and again. And so then you do another study. Well, and, and then you do another study. And and, and well, and, and, and the
0: so- and the South Carolina thing, uh, extra highlights that thing about employment is those of, of the fifty-two percent that uh, that were employed. How much? What an amazing impact they they had on the on the economy. So exactly that employment is the number one thing. Yeah.
1: And, and how how do you how do you uh, make a big enough splash for people to pay attention to it to the degree that it changes votes? Well, one might argue, and this detracts a little bit from my random this national stuff, is that you want to have a national splash, national splash, and a state splash. And then an urban center splash, but you've got to have this stuff figured out. You don't just do it because you're going to have a splash. You've got to have a plan of what you do next and what you do next, and that that takes money. But the people that are investing, you know, the the rock stars that are now uh, working for criminal justice reform, right? All and, and, you know, and they're playing their music and they're raising money. And what are they doing? They're raising awareness. Awareness of what? Right. Awareness of the scope of the problem. We know that already. What are they putting into the in, into the what are they? What are they putting into the solutions? And not here are the solutions. Let's talk about the solutions. No, let's do the work. What if? Well, how, what, we got to put people in Department of Corrections who've got the capacity and the competency to do things differently, permanently, and sustainably. Right. We have to change the way that the system is working, not just talk about the ways that we need to do that. We actually need to do it. And instead, these agencies are being cut mercilessly again and again and again why because there's no revenue why because they're spending the money foolishly are they spending the money foolishly here uh, yeah <laughs> and we have studies that show rather than spend money you can make money and but nobody's doing it, it
0: well it seems like it, you, it would just take one state if we could take one state and implement the known to be good policies and have that state turn you know become an example for 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 everyone else where all the other you know, one that particular state is a huge outlier in look at all this revenue generated, look at all this uh sorta of like sort of like with the uh with all the revenue generated from the marijuana legalization, where everyone can point to that and say, Look at all this tax money that's that uh Colorado, for example, has has generated from just taxing the marijuana rather than uh than making it illegal. If we just had the one state that could be the shining example to right. point to point well, to yeah,
1: and, and- and i think you're right if we could have some sustainability and some longer term effect and we get right, back but to it, the but it cycle takes of, it
0: takes 10 uh, years to show it, success
1: well you got governors that may be there for for two terms you got eight years we've talked about that and and we're about to release our our textbook on incarceration and race uh, in michigan you can see it to be available on uh, amazon uh beginning of, in december and it examines what's happened in, in Michigan. I've uh, contributed a chapter to Lynn Scott, one of the co-authors, about the reentry work that we've done, and it does that to a certain extent, because again, remember Michigan is a state that was so successful at doing this work, reducing the uh, recidivism rate of, of, of parolees by 36%, reducing the prison population by 70%, closing 20 prisons, uh, only one or two of which have been open since. I mean, pretty permanent uh, changes, uh, and yet uh, they stopped. They're still not doing it. Huh. They, you know new politicians, a governor for eight years, a Republican governor that, that slowly but surely ate away. now we have a new Democratic governor and she's not doing much to, to get us back to the to the improvements that we made. And so even when you have a state that over the course of eight years a decade and examined, although the, the book isn't out yet, so maybe it will launch a little bit of a more retrospect and a perspective of, of what we can do about these things. But even when that happens, uh, you know what happens? You go into another state and they say, Well, we're not Michigan. If you're a southern state, right. they say, Well, we sure as hell ain't Michigan. Mm-hmm. We're not a Yankee state. What's that got to do with us? You know, and, and it, it, it goes on and on. So, you know, the rant continues, you know, uh, it's how, it's just it's how depressing. <laughs> I know. Once it's again like, an uplifting an uplifting episode.
0: It's like you we we see we see the light, but no one else does.
1: Or it's a it's up a tunnel. I mean, it's it's just so many closed doors, you know, we gotta we gotta open those doors and get the light to it. So yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for uh, this uplifting episode. And everyone oh the uh, the South Carolina report will be linked to uh, on our show notes at seekjustice.fm slash zero one three. That's the thirteenth episode, this one. So everyone can go and check that out if they wanna read through it. And uh, thank you, Dennis, and All right. see you next week. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. All of our episodes can be found on our website, seekjustice.fm. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be reached at seekjusticefm at gmail.com or via our Twitter account at seekjusticefm. See you next week.